Hello and welcome back to the program. My name is Michael Finney. Today I am joined by Rachel Brady. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? I'm a developer. I mostly do uh, backend. Uh, it's, it's kind of a unique situation where I started this about, um, I would say, two years ago. Um, before that, I you know, was never into programming. I always wanted to be a programmer, you know, but I, I just had a lot of other stuff, you know, in my life that, you know, I wasn't focused on that. Will you tell us a little bit about how you came into developing? What led you to that? Uh, what were you doing before and what you're going into? Um, sure. So I, I'm, I'm married to somebody as a computer scientist. And um, before we were married, uh, I ran a like a, a Linux users group. And so I was always into technology and to, you know, uh, I liked the idea of like creating things. Um, I just didn't have that background on, you know, how to actually, you know, sit down in front of a computer and start writing with code. And so I uh, ran into some friends that had um, some requests they wanted me to do. And because I, I, I at least knew how to set up like Linux servers. This was like way back in the early 2000s. Um, and then I would say like two years ago, I had a friend say, Hey, I need a website set up to, um, create a way to like save information on a database. Um, so I helped them out and then it's kind of have like how I, I was like, okay, I'm ready to like really dive into this and, um, you know, start learning how to, you know, program. So I, I, you know, like my main, um, language is Python, but it's, it's a lot of hacking too, <laughs> you know, but of other stuff. All right. So you're hanging out, you start to develop, you are advancing your skills. The backend Linux server maintenance stuff is super interesting. And then you kind of go into more the front end software side of things. So what are some of the things that you have been developing or creating over the last few years that people should know about? a couple websites for, um, you know, having, you know, content on it. Um, one, one of the things, I guess I can go back to Linux a little bit too. Like, so we, I used to volunteer at a, a convention called Linux Fest. Very cool. And I, yeah, I learned a lot through um, a lot of those people. So like I, I, I came from a small town, um, Lima, Ohio. And uh, I played there. Yeah, did you? So <laughs> yeah, years and years ago. In a band? Okay. Wow. I'm trying to think, but even like, are you talking about like a, like a, like a bar or. Yeah, it was a bar. And I think if my memory is serving correctly, it was a venue that had been a fire station that was converted. Yeah. Uh, do not hold me to that because it was a long time. <laughs> yeah. That's um, I think across it's either beside or, or across the street from a, a tattoo shop called white wizard. That's at least one bar that I know that's, I think is still there. Um, yeah, Lima is an interesting place because everyone, they always talk about how they, they drive by, you know, through it. <laughs> There's, you know, not a whole lot there. Um, but yeah, we had a, uh, a friend that he, he's blind. Um, he was born that way and he got, he was into Linux because that was one of the easier things to do text to speech. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I learned through him and, um, my, my now spouse, I was dating my, my husband, you know, we're, you know, uh, 
dating since we were like eight, I don't know, probably 18 <laughs> years old. So it's been a, it's been a long time. Um, so I would hang out with them and we would hang out at this, uh, this uh, knock um, the network operations center and the, their, the local ISP uh, it's called W coil. And my friend would, you know, like he would need help with um, certain stuff. Like he would <laughs> break his keyboard. And so I would have, you know, I'd help call in HP to help get it, you know, replaced and all that. But he also was running a Linux users group. And I wanted to, you know, learn about that because my, um, my dad, when you know we were kids, we had um, some old hand-me-downs of like the Commodore 64 and uh, nice. the, the TI computer. Yeah, and then like he he would take me to um, uh, like a, the local college at OSU. They had like a computer group there. Um, but you know, like we where I was living, you know, at that time in the early 2000s, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of you know internet access very. Or it wasn't very reliable. It was dial-up because mm-hmm. <laughs> we lived out in a rural area. So yeah, so I joined this group, and then um, we helped um, our friend run it. You know, because he needed you know someone to help him drive back and forth. And we hosted meetings at his house, and we would get a lot of college students that would show up because you know they were very interested in um, Linux, and they were also very interested in hacking. Um, you know, because that was more um, you know exciting. <laughs> Like yeah. learning about, you know, black hats and all that. Um, and, it, you know, it was kind of a letdown for them because we were like, we're just going to show you how to, you know, set this up and certain things you can do. You have to, you know, you have to know how to also um, learn, you know, bash scripting and or shell scripting and all of that. Right. Um, so a lot of times the meetings were us just um, installing Linux on someone's computer and then they'll come back to, you know, like a week later and they need help installing windows on it again because they want to play video games <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know because they never and we always tell them like you can't there's certain games you can't play um you know on linux at that time um and it got really frustrating because you know there's they're more like attracted to the just the more like exciting stuff with uh i, I guess that a lot of people think like um if you use linux that you're a hacker um, and you know, that's, that's not, I mean, everyone's a hacker, but when, when in reality, if you use Linux, you're just a dork, <laughs> but yeah, you're not some like nefarious person trying to steal data, data, you know, and right. you don't need Linux for that. <laughs> so we ran that for a while. And then my, uh, my friend moved and my, my husband and I ran, um, the group, you know, just the two of us. And we brought it, brought in a lot of people from, um, I think it was called, Uno. um, it's like, it's, it's an interesting college cause it's for um auto mechanics so we we'd have a ton of like uh uh what is those cars the uh the pontiac gt uh i think it was a pontiac i forget but like they we would all it just was kind of funny because like we would here we are as nerds we're like sitting in a parking lot inside of like a toyota corolla around all of these um we call them you know like <laughs> they, they all call them racers mm-hmm you know, like in these ridiculous cars all like souped up. Um, and then they would drive back to our place to um, help them set up computer, you know, Linux, and then show them um, how to at least get around in it through, you know, the, the command line. That was a big thing that we tried to push is, you know, try not to be so reliant on on the GUI um, because, you know, you're not really learning the, the system on how it works that way. And then um, after that, like, uh, just, you know, life kind of got in the way where, we, you know, I think we were in our early 20s and 
we kind of grew up a bit and then, well, we just, I mean, we just got busy. So we, we ended up moving to uh, Columbus, Ohio. And um, during those times, um, you know, I was uh, actually, it was, so my, my first computer was, you know, it was Red Hat seven point something, I think, you know, so I, not, I didn't actually have a Windows computer until, you know, later on. And that would like really, I was, you know, going to college too, um, for, I think it was like a graphic design degree. And I would always, I had like a computer class where um, you had to learn DOS. And then I would always mess stuff up because of the the forward slash and the backslash, you know, mm-hmm. is different for, for Linux and, and DOS. I'm trying to think like what, yeah, where to go after that. So like, you know, we, we moved to Columbus to um, really like uh, for my husband to pursue his, uh, his career in uh, computer science. So he went to OSU and then, um, I, I just like the tinker of stuff. So, um, I'll kind of jump forward where I, um, I got into, uh, ghost hunting. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I don't think we've ever talked much about that at all. <laughs> yeah. So I can bring that up and then how I kind of connect that with, uh, with the other stuff with like, you know, programming. Um, so I ran, I, I, I've been running a group, um, um, it's it's probably like 15 years old. It's called uh, Tops Tennessee Ohio Paranormal Society. Um, so I, you know, I investigate places in Ohio, and then my partner, my friend Tabitha, she um, she lives in Tennessee now, but we used to go to school together in, in middle school. Um, and you know, we always talked about how we liked you know the paranormal shows and how like ridiculous they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we're like, let's make some. Like, we're like, let's make a group where um, we're based on the tech more, and don't you know, you know, and just whatever happens. Like, we don't, you know. Just then. Yeah, we don't really care about the whole like, oh, there's a demon, you know, <laughs> you know, talking to you or something. You know, it's just because that's already that's out. There's so many groups like that. Yeah. But you know, there. Yeah, we we had some interesting stuff happen where you know you can't explain it, and that's really like what the the excitement is. Is you know, it's either a, ha- a really old house that's making noises, or um, or maybe it is a ghost. <laughs> you know, you just you just don't know. Um, but there's a the problem is a lot of people <laughs> like to uh, do what do you call it breaking breaking into properties that are you know private private properties trespassing yeah trespassing and i remember um an article where there is some teenagers that broke in i mean i I don't even know if they walked into their house but they they went to a place that looked abandoned um and they ended up getting shot and i was like you know that 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 could happen a lot you know because there are a lot of houses that are um kind of ran down and then when um and this is really common like with my group i i will get tons of emails from people um wanting to investigate a place uh, because they saw something on a TV show. Um, and a lot of those TV shows, they don't tell you that that property is given them permission. You know, they, a lot of them are portrayed like they are just, you know, like let's walk down on this property and like start investigating, um, you know, which isn't true. And so I wanted to make an app on um, like a database on using um, what is it called? G GPS. GS something. Yeah. GPS. And, so like there's a lot of um, public records where you can search uh, properties to um, at least see if it's private or, you know, a public. Um, and so I was like, this would be something I could really, you know, get into to, to learn how to program. And so that, that kind of like got me, you know, got me thinking about it. And 
it was a little overwhelming because at that time, um, you know, I uh, basically like iPhone apps are really popular because everyone was really, you know, getting into into that. You, you have to, um, and I didn't know how to program that, um, but I knew how to make um, websites and set up servers. And so my friend and I, um, <laughs> she set up a WordPress site for, for Tops and, um, you know, we were slowly getting all this information together. But, you know, the hardest part is like we, you know, we were all working full time. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't take it super seriously to where I was like, oh, I, I need to sit down and, you know, make this. So that, that that's kind of really like what I think started with, the, you know, wanting me to, with me wanting to program. But the bigger part is where I, um, I had a friend that wanted some help um, setting up a website for him. And that's where, uh, you know, uh, the, the site that I made called Rural Podcast. And then, you know, and, and from there, like I, you know, I'm, there's so much to, you know, to learn as someone that, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I have a high school degree, I have some college experience, but, you know, it's not, I, you know, I, I really thought I would do like something med medical coding. So when I have, um, I don't know, I have a lot of people that will ask me like, hey, do you really need a college degree um, in computer science to start a career in programming? And, and no, you don't. Like I, I have a lot of friends that, um, that, you know, they don't usually get their degree until, you know, later on in life because they, they want to change. Um, and I actually started a podcast about that where we, we by inter actually inter interview my, my blind friend. Um, and he talks about his experiences, about how, um, you know, not, not everyone needs like a, you know, ha go to school for four years to um, do this kind of stuff. But you definitely need, um, you know, a mentor to to help you. Um, and so I was really lucky. I had my, my husband and, um, and my friends to kind of show me how to, you know, do all this stuff. So and that's that's how I, you know, started these websites like I would you know, learn in the evening. Um, and then during the day I would take time to, you know, um, build stuff and then break it and then figure out how I, you know, like why I'm breaking it. Yeah. The, the usual developer path of, of writing code and then debugging. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go back to a point you were making in regards to real world podcasts. So you have been podcasting for a while, it sounds like, maybe in coordination with a couple other projects, and you have been releasing those in the past, you're saying? Mm -hmm. So we get to the interest in podcasts through that, right? That's kind of the thing. And then you have a friend who's like, hey, I want to do this project. Uh, you're launching the website. Now, there's lots of places uh, available to people. Uh, to distribute podcasts, right? Why this one? What makes this different? <laughs> well, we wanted um, to. I don't. So my, I, I didn't really care. Like I just, I was like, hey, this is a reason for me to like make something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like his, his big thing was like he likes watching. Um, I think Joe Rogan. A lot of a lot of podcasts that are actually videos. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't, I, I always call everything podcasts. Um, there may be a difference between those two and I can see, you know, like I, I do love podcasts on, um, like I had, I use, you know, um, when I had a, what do they call it? A Android phone. I use Google's podcast feed and, um, 
you know, so I like hearing audio. I don't want to have to watch like a video all the time. Yeah, it's a lot. But yeah, my, my, the main driver for me was I, I just, I was like, hey, this is an opportunity to, um, to just motivate me to, to make a site. Um, and then so my friend had all, all the information about like what he wanted. And, um, and it was a lot of work because um, we ended up using React <laughs> and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of JavaScript. So that's a little different than, um, you know, Python because Python's more backend. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it's really hard to explain that kind of that stuff to somebody um, who, you know, like you have a lot, a lot of friends that like, they come up with really cool ideas, but then, um, because that's the easy part. <laughs> And then, uh, then you got to like, okay, well, let's figure out like the, the structure of this before we actually create it. Um, you know, so that, that was a lot of work. We, uh, part of it was like, they, I, I can kind of get into the Bitcoin stuff too. So like they, they wanted something different where, um, you know, like, so you have YouTube where you have content creators, but you're not making a ton of money, you know, unless you're at the top, um, and everyone wants to be a content creator, you know, like they, they want to make some money. Um, but you can't even make, you know, like YouTube's not going to pay you five bucks to make like a, you know, like with the content that you take out, at least from what I've, you know, kind of read into. Yeah. Well, they raised their requirements for payout a few years ago. So it used to, it used to be a much lower bar to monetize yeah. and then they raised their requirements just because, um, you know, probably the accounting was not really worth it for them. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair for people um, where it's like, okay, you got to devote your entire life to YouTube. You know, I think it's kind of crazy where, you know, like just from learning about some of the content creators, like that's their whole day. And yeah. also like they, they eat, sleep and, you know, it's all, all, all deciding on how to, bring more people in to watch her, you know, fully watch the entire episode. Um, you know, I think that's a bit crazy. So I was telling my friend, like, what if we can make something that will make people, you know, like $5, you know, like they don't, you know, they, they know this is something they can just play around with. Um, they also like YouTube, but they know they're not going to be like a, you know, YouTube star and make, you know, a bunch of money that way full time. Um, and so that was part of like reason why we built a site, you know, for that, um, and it just kind of started from there. Um, let, let me ask you about this. How does the blockchain tie into real world, real world podcasts? Sure. So it's funny, like it's actually not a whole lot. Um, it's really just the wallet that people use, um, to buy the, uh, the podcast. Um, so my friend and I, like, we have a podcast on there and we'll interview some people that, um, work on this same blockchain. Um, but there are also a lot of other people that are just artists and they'll post um, a video and then they um, have the, you know, they have the, the ability to type in whatever amount they want to sell their video for. Most people will sell it for like, you know, I think 15 cents. Um, and then the, yeah, the videos are not on the blockchain. Um, you just, you know, you log in with a, a, uh, a, you know, crypto wallet and um, then you just pay and then that money immediately goes to the person. So they don't have to, you know, wait for a month or whatever for that payout. Um, and then they can, you know, do whatever they want with that money. <laughs> so like we don't, you know, we don't. Yeah, that's fantastic. 
yeah, it's fantastic. We don't we don't hold that money. It you know immediately goes through their wallet. So that was kind of the the selling point for me because I'm like I don't want to hold on to anybody's money. Uh, we also set up a subscription part you know based thing where a person person can um, set. I think like the average is like seven bucks a month, and then the the viewers can pay that and then watch whatever they want you know for the amount of videos that they put out within that month. You know it, it's it's a really fun um, project. It's but it's also really hard to get people to use it because because you're up against free distribution, essentially. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's that. But also think about this: like these people are making money, and you know, um, but they like YouTube because it's you know what they're used to. Yeah. But uh, you know, we don't have like the we also don't have the tools like the analytics and stuff, and and that was something I was telling my friend. I was like, we like we. But this was after building because I'm like, we need to think about different stuff that should be added on that will you know, make it easier. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. It's just the hardest thing is to get people to use it because um, really it's like they don't understand like the the crypto part. And I think they're afraid of it. Like a lot of people are afraid that like we're, we're scamming them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you pay for a thing, yeah. you get a thing. It's, you know, it's that's pretty straightforward. You choose to pay the prices that you choose to pay. So, mm-hmm. uh, next phase of things, you've got the real world. Good Lord. I am going to stumble over that every single time I say, <laughs> uh, you've got real world podcasts going now you are working on Molly match. You want to tell us a little bit about what that is? Sure. Um, yes, I wanted to learn more about like the blockchain and I actually had a, a couple of friends that one's a computer scientist I've, I've known for a long time. Um, through a whole website called Live Journal. And she's like, hey, I have this other artist that, you know, she she has a lot of downtime. Um, and I was like, let's make something crazy. So I was, I was like, let's make this, you know, cat game. Hmm. And I also wanted to learn how, uh, more about web frameworks. Um, so one of the, I think, most popular ones, well, I don't, I don't want to say most popular anymore, but um, it's called Django. Um, so you got Django and then you also have, um, I think react reacts JavaScript. You're talking about the Python package. Yeah. So yeah, Django's a Python. So like you have this nice little like framework where you can, you know, have everything that you want to create, um, a website with like, uh, user sign in. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is Django is that like a lot of that is ran, you know, backend. Right. And so I learned um, on top of that uh, how to set up cloud formation on AWS. And that was that was a couple crazy nights of, you know, writing this big, you know, JSON uh, text file. <laughs> and, you know, um, and, and the craziest thing about like cloud formation is that it takes forever. So like you you run your script and then you got to wait for it to deploy on, you know, on the AWS servers. And then if something break, you know, isn't working, then you got to go back, troubleshoot, and then like rewrite the script again. Um, there are like there's logging, but you know everything's kind of you're kind of nickel and dimed by everything, right? Yeah, but like, but it is like one of the cheapest ways to run a site, and it gives you a lot of power. Um, so we went that route on starting, um, yeah, this 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 uh, program called or this project called Molly Match. Um, that name actually came from my daughter. She's, uh, she's eight. And, um, we made this, I think we started this like almost a year ago. Um, and it's just, it's kind of like crypto kitties, sure, but a little bit 
De- you know, but definitely it's 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 way different than what it what cryptos crypto kitties is. The other thing too is the we kind of give people the ability to mess with the the cat. So, you know, you 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 probably like know about NFTs where there's different rarities and stuff like that. I am familiar. Yeah, and there's like a limited amount of NFTs that you buy from a series. Um, we have it where we release a certain amount of cats called the Genesis Mollies, and then you buy them, and then you can mate them. So when you have like a cat that is like a pink color, um, that's I think one of the rarer colors. So it's it's based on genetics where um, you have like a dominant and recessive gene. So say you have a cat, you'll see a lot of cats with like yellow and green colors because those, those they are the most like dominant ones. But if you happen to be one of the lucky people that gets like a, a pink cat, you can start mating that cat with another pink one and then kind of flood the whole market with, you know, that color and make it um, almost in an artificial way of like creating that as like the common type. You could reduce scarcity within the Molly match kitty market is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Yeah. I can't wait to see like what people, you know, come up with. So we're... um we just released the uh, buying the cats. That's an interesting dynamic. I'm going to say yeah. that uh, is very interesting because it, <laughs> it gamifies a, a, a lot of stuff there that, because people yeah, become this, uh, this unknown element of consequences for the, for the cat market. Love that. <laughs> Did not know that. Um, or at least hadn't arrived at that conclusion yet, but uh, do go on. Tell us more. So yeah, like you can, uh, we're going to have the market released pretty soon. That's um, when people can resell their cats um, and also put them up for, you know, as like a stud. Um, You can, uh, and then also transferring. So we're getting transferring ready. That's going to be released probably in a couple of days. Um, You know, we, when we first started, I wasn't really sure like how people were going to respond to it. Um, But we have, you know, just a lot of positive responses. Um, the only thing that I'm worried about is like um, we decided to use PayPal mm-hmm. as the as a way to pay um, instead of using like a typical like, you know, Bitcoin wallet. Um, and the reason we picked that is because um, I attend this convention called um, it's local. It's called the GDEX. The GDEX is a video game convention um, mainly by independent, you know, gamers who also, you know, they're kind of like me where they're like, hey, I want to learn how to program and make a game. And where I'm at is uh, at Columbus, Ohio, there's a group called COG. And um, it's a bunch of people that just show up and they they build games. And they they invited me to uh, exhibit Molly Match there at the, the convention. Yeah, that's great. And so anyway, so that, that was like a reason why we end up using PayPal for people to purchase the cats. Because there's going to be a lot of people with PayPal already installed on their cell phones when they, you know, walk up to our table. So we we had a lot of signups, which really surprised me because um, we uh, I was there last year and I only offered like one, you know, Bitcoin wallet. And then people were kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, like they, they just didn't have the time or, you know, to stop and install that wallet. So um this was a way around it where people can just, you know, walk up and buy a cat if they wanted. Are you intending to make them available via BSV as well? 
Yeah, so they already are, they are on BSB, um, but we just need to add the wallet to it. Um, so that I mean that that's really easy. We we just have to put it in there. Um, <laughs> so I think we're yeah we're gonna use hand cash uh, for that, um, and that will you know because th there are some people who um, are waiting to buy them until we have you know a, a, a wallet up for um, for BSV. But yeah, I don't know. Like it was, it was a, uh, it just kind of eye opening. Um, talking with people, kind of on on a different, you know, um, just a different mind frame of, like a lot of them don't know what NFT is, or they just hear a lot of like negative, you know, in, you know, stuff about it because they they see it as like a, a Ponzi scheme, which you know I, I can't argue with them because there's there's just so much out there that you know it's it's really hard to get into it without like knowing somebody you know and um and taking that risk to buy you know into someone's project for sure well thank you for joining me today rachel uh i think we learned a lot about your path as a developer and some of the projects that you have been working on and presenting and i think that people should go out and check out uh particularly the molly match thing i think that that one um you know, is, is kind of the easiest to onboard or to interface with. And then if you are a podcaster or you are interested in blockchain components, then real world podcast is available as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, hey, enjoy your day and we'll talk before too long. Yep. And see ya.